something that keeps rolling through my mind. I'll just throw this out real quick. I'm going to turn you to Mark chapter 4 and verse 19. Just one verse. And uh, hang on a second here. Okay, so four, I said 419. Now, this is in the middle of, of a subject which has to do with so, uh, parables and the parables of the sower and so forth. And so um, in verse 19 we read, well, let me start in verse 18. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear, not, hear the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. Now, dispensationally, and hold on a second. Uh, so this dispensationally, this definitely comes out of a different dispensation. We could point to this and say it means nothing to us. Of course, there's things here that can apply. And the thing that's been crossing through my mind on this latest series of studies uh, in which we will look at today has a lot to do with how uh, strong and wonderful these scriptures are to us personally for what we have in Christ personally. And uh, and then these thoughts come to my mind, the cares of the world. And the cares of the world can be uh, bad things. And I think that's the way we normally look at things when we <laughs> look at something like this. But it's also just every day. You know, every day I've got to eat something. And every day I need sleep. And, you know, on and on and on. There's, there's so many things that we need that they themselves can get into the in the way of the, the Lord. The others that's mentioned here... Uh, are definitely a different issue, and and uh, and the cares of the world, and lust of the flesh, and all of those type of things. There's uh, just a whole different subject. But I think what runs through my mind, particularly because of the subject we are dealing with, uh, which has to do, it's simply the di- the difference between the word knowledge and acknowledge. I've kind of refined it down to that. Uh, these things, there are things definitely in our life that can stand in the way. And we lose out. That It's just flat out that plain. We are losing out on something when we allow the things of this world, the cares of this world, whatever they may be, uh, to interfere with our life. And I speak for myself when I say those things. And uh, But that that's kind of a just a portion of what we're talking about here. So I want to kind of make sure that when we cover things that may sound like we're getting off the subject or whatever, that this is kind of partly what we're focusing on anyway. But uh, I'm going to have you turn to, oops, in the chapter no longer. problems here. Okay, Ephesians chapter 1. We did this a few weeks ago where I kind of went through some of these things hastily. I didn't complete it. Uh, but there's one portion of scripture in the first chapter here that I want to nail. I mean, get down to, to uh, let's really get down to what this thing, this is all about. And um, what we're going to see here is in the first 14 verses is Paul's words to a group of believers, whomever they may 
D, I don't know. Uh, if they are Ephesians, that helps, if indeed they are. Uh, but whoever they are, this group of people have come to know the Lord in, in the mystery apart from the Apostle Paul. And you say, what? What are you talking about? Well, in this sense, Paul is, has not had the opportunity to stand in front of these people. At least there's no evidence of it. He's been in prison. These people have been in a far-off country, which uh, was Asia. And unless they came and visited him, uh, they had very little contact. So you might ask the question, how in the world did these guys get the word concerning the mystery to begin with? And I'll just mention this. If you turn over to Ephesians chapter 4, and read a few, or I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 6, the end of this. Uh, by the way, this passage in Ephesians 1 leads us to a prayer. And it's, here's a group of people who understand a long list of things. We're going to go through a list of 12 things here in just a moment, quickly, without getting into great uh, time, spending a lot of time on it, because we want to nail these verses here starting around verse 16. But in Ephesians chapter 6, if you look at verse, uh, after Paul gives us the um, shield of faith and helmet of salvation and the list of things that have to do with the armor, verse 18 he says this, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance, so Paul says he's praying for these people and for a lot of people. He says, for me, I'll take a little bit of that prayer too. He says, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. So he's not really praying for something for himself. He's praying for something spiritually for himself. And that has to do with the, what the, his message was here, now, at this particular time. For which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. That's what Paul prays for. In verse, back in chapter 1, we won't look at it right now, he has a prayer and it's for the saints. What does he say in verse uh, 15? Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus... You notice it says, I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. He was not present with them. Or, uh, do we have a, any reference to a, a script, passage of scriptures that he wrote or whatever? But he says, uh, I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints. Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And he's, we're going to do a lot on that subject this morning. But, so his, he prays first for these saints. There's another prayer in Ephesians. It's in chapter 3. And then finally, he ends with this prayer here. And in this case, he asks for, for something for himself. So first he prays for them. And here he's praying for his own affairs. So verse 21. But that ye also may know my affairs and how I do. So how did Paul even come to an understanding of these people, or knowing a knowledge of these people, and you're going to see this when we go through chapter 1. You're going to see it in the different personal pronouns. I believe this is the most personally pronounced uh, book that I've stumbled across in my lifetime. you got to watch the I's and the, the we's, the you's, the he's, the his, 
uh, thems and whatever to know specifically who at that moment he's talking to. So over here, once again, let me repeat this, but that ye also may know my affairs and how I do. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known unto you all things whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that he that you might know our affairs and that he might comfort your hearts. There's our parakaleo word there for comfort as we've been looking at over the last year. It keeps showing up on us here. It has to do with comforting or encouraging. So it's simply Paul has is passing information back and forth by by this man by the name of Tychicus. And when you go to, well, I'm getting off base here. I don't want to get too far off base. Uh, let's just say that Tychicus was a key figure in Paul's life and this subject of the mystery. If you go to the end of Colossians, you'll see something similar. You'll see a list of several names there that were close to Paul. And, and if you remember in Ephesians chapter 4, let's see if I got this right. Um, and in verse, and we're going to read this toward the end today. Uh, uh, Ephesians, I'm sorry, I'm in chapter 5. Okay, chapter 4, verse uh, uh, 11. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And it's for the adjusting of the saints he did this. So we'll look at this briefly today. But this is important here, that the Lord gave gifts upon his ascension and his descension that he speaks about before this. And he doesn't give us a list of all the people that fall in this category. But I think if you go to the end of Colossians and look at those names, you go into the book of, of written to Timothy, two books of Timothy, you're going to see some names pop up, particularly at the end. And in my mind, these are probably some of the apostles and the prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And that's how this word was being communicated during this period of time that the Paul was a bondsman and he was, he was tied up. And here was, uh, and here this particular passage or this particular book, uh, identifies some of that, particularly in these first, this first chapter. So there's something here in this first chapter. And I pray, Lord, that we stay on the subject here. There's something in this first chapter. The first 14 verses are the words. I call it kind of the itinerary of the Apostle Paul. That's not that's not a good definition of it. But here are words that Paul says, talks to these people about, and implies that they understand that. Let's look at verse 8 for an example, because I believe this will help us. This is why we want to understand verses 1 to 14. In verse 8 he says, uh, and I need to go back a verse, let's go back to 7. In whom we have redemption through the blood of the forgiveness of sins, to his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. So this redemption is now something that he has abounded. It, it, uh, we get slammed with, with a double blessing here. This is tremendous what he's saying. He's abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. So right now he's telling, he, in this 
to, to this group of believers, he's speaking to them about their uh, riches of grace and the fact that they have all wisdom and prudence. But turn, but go across the page, and we're going to do this, and read verse, a few verses here. Verse 15, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints. Paul didn't get a letter. He had, he somehow heard these things through Tychicus and others, other believers. Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may given it, given to you, what? The spirit of wisdom and revelation. So here's part of his prayer. But wait a minute, Paul. You just told me in chapter, in verse 8, that we've, you have been, uh, we have been abounded toward us in all wisdom. We have all wisdom, is the way this would appear to be. And yet over here he's praying for them to have wisdom. So what we are really looking for here, because of the fact that our lesson is on knowledge and acknowledgement, there's an acknowledgement here that is required and it's associated to wisdom. And it's also associated, associated with, well, let me, let me read this one now. Verse 18, he says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling. So the hope of his calling is in question here. He's praying for them, and you'd think, well, why don't they have that? Uh, so this is, this is all leading to one thing, and it has to do with the power of the words we're going to read about here, and the prayer to the Father, and, and, uh, and trying to answer some of these questions. Why in one place is he telling me that we have all knowledge in that, and here's another place that we there's something to happen here. And I think if we look at the word acknowledgement and put it in here, it's as opposed to knowledge, we're going to see that there's something on our part we need to do and we're failing in. And you know what? Maybe some of those cares of the world are getting in the way. And so what we want to do is understand this so that we don't allow things to get in the way of the truth that's been given to us, the wonderful promises that we have here in this chapter. So, I don't know, I may have mentioned something there and didn't answer or fulfill what I was saying. Uh, I've got a long list to myself here, or list, list that we can, we're going to go through, uh, and hopefully get through in today's time. But I'm going to begin with this, the very first verse of the book of Ephesians. And so we're, we're, we're going to look at the first chapter to get to this point that, that we just discussed. And I'm going to list, what I've listed here is 12 things that we should know. We should automatically know and be part of. And I'll, I don't know if I'll have time to pay attention to the personal pronouns, but, uh, I think it's kind of important because it tells us who knows what they're doing and who doesn't, so to speak. So Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. So the very first thing we're confronted with is Paul is an apostle of Jesus Christ. We know that. But it's by the will 
of God. Now, the only reason I mention this is because I don't think there's anybody here that has a problem with this verse. There are many who have a problem with this verse because it speaks of Paul. And if you read this whole chapter, it speaks a whole lot about Paul. And it makes it look like, or they, they believe that it looks like that Paul's getting more attention here than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And it's not true. Not even close. This is the will of God. God's will, and this will was never presented to anybody prior to this time. This entire package we're going to read here, I'm calling it an entire package, it's not, it doesn't, it's not completely full, but we'll hopefully get to some of those. So here we have the fact, and, and by the way, uh, when you t- look, turn, when you get into Pal Talk and you look at the beginning, it gives you an opportunity to write something there about whether you liked it or not. And so, and we never look at this, but, uh, I think from day one or sometime early in there, somebody wrote very negatively about uh, this very fact that we pay too much attention to Paul, and and that was it. Well, uh, to me that's kind of an offense, uh, offensiveness because it's just the opposite. Paul has done something through one person, and it's concerning this great mystery we're going to read about and so forth. So you've got to watch some of the pronouns and the the personal pronouns and stuff as you go through this on who's who and what's happening with each one, whatever. So forgive me for taking so long to do that, but but I want to I want to take just this book alone uh, and, and talk about Paul just for a moment. Uh, first of all, it talks about the will of him. I, when I say this book alone, let me start with First Timothy real quickly. Paul writing to Timothy in the first chapter, First Timothy one, beginning in verse uh, eleven. According, without looking at the pre, what came before this or whatever, uh, you can go back and read that for yourself. Verse 11, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. God committed something to Paul and entrusted him with it. And I think Christ Jesus, our Lord, <clears throat> who hath enabled me, here's, you watch these pronouns here. He's enabled me, Paul says, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. So this is, what, uh, 37 to 40, over, approximately 40 years or so that Paul is writing this, maybe a little bit more than that. And Paul has, uh, if you read this verse, you can see that Paul has passed the test. He says, I think Christ, at this point he's not telling you about uh, how good he wa- is or how good he was, but no one says it enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into this into the ministry. Uh, so Paul was put into a ministry, and he passed the test with what's being done here in his life. Paul doesn't want to write about himself. We can read that in Corinthians, but he has to because so we understand these things. Verse 13, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, and I, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I, Paul, am first. I am chief. 
First, in significance of this idea of this uh, subject of grace. Okay, just I'll, I'll stop there. It sounds like the guy could be bragging about himself, but absolutely not. He tries to make it clear this is all in the hands of God. He He's the one that made this happen. He's the one who chose out one person for this, and that's what we're going to find out in the book of Ephesians. So hastily back to Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, uh, let me read some things out of chapter 3. And I'll do this rather hastily. And I believe it's important. We need to understand this. Remember, these first 12 things we're going to read in Ephesians chapter 1, every one of them has significance. Uh, real quickly here, and once again, it's a matter of ch- applying pronouns. Chapter 3, I mean, this is Ephesians 3. For this cause, I, I, I'm going to be talking about itself again. I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given who? Given me, he says, to you word. Well, surely there's somebody else in the mix here, Paul. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. Who was that? How many people did he do that to? Just one. Unto me the mystery. Um, as I wrote in few words, whereby when you read... By the way, where did Paul write in few words about the mystery? Did he write another letter? Did he, uh, well, what happened here? Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 1. He writes in a few words here in Ephesians chapter 1, what? A mystery. He's going to write about a mystery. And we read in, in verse 22, and uh, I'm not giving you enough information here, but in chapter, in verse 122 we read, uh, we need to look at the whole package here, but he says, And hath put all things under his feet. And if you have a companion Bible, you'll see that those words are in, in bold. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, all in all. There is a chunk of information there in those verses. But he goes back to where? Psalm chapter 8, and pulls out three or four words which now apply to this new hope. So if you go through Paul's writing during the, the book of, or, or during his lifetime, uh, you're going to see that he's the only one who addresses and repeats this language here in his capacity during the Acts period and also afterwards. So he did in a few words give us some tremendous amount of information and it's going to be concerning the mystery of Christ. Uh, we're not going to do that today, but keep it in mind. So, uh, real quickly, let's continue here in Ephesians chapter 3, the personal pronouns. He says, Whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. That tells me that Paul is the only one who has been given that information, and he's going to pass it on. And it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets in spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his 
power. And, and by the way, there are some issues concerning some of the transcripts in this portion of scripture here, and I don't have it in front of me, so I'm reading right through the King James here. Uh, so once again, I was made a I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of His power unto me. So we just keep He keeps bombarding us with these personal pronouns, and it should make us understand God has done something here. He has chosen one man to deliver this message, and somewhere in our understanding of what that means. There should be some wisdom in there that we that we understand that God has taken this one man who was the most probably undeserving of everybody that's ever walked before him, that is Paul, and here he's he has been translated to a position that's just tremendous, and uh, and if you read a few more verses, you'll see some more personal pronouns there. So the very first one, number one. In the book of Ephesians chapter 1 is that Paul, Paul's apostleship is by the will of God. It's just straight out that simple. God's will and his desire chose the apostle Paul. And that makes a difference because he's going to list all these things here. And I'm going to suggest that we need to acknowledge them because that's what he's going to set, bring up. And so... That, that make, makes a difference where they're going to acknowledge the fact that Paul is that one. Because if you don't, you cannot rightly divide the word. If you, you, you're going to have to see the sense in this that one man, uh, causes a lot of issues to, to be dealt with when it comes to, uh, rightly dividing the scriptures. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath, number two, what has he done? Blessed us with all spiritual blessings. And that word spiritual, we could take a few days and, and talk about that. And how powerful that is and how dispensational that is. Just the word spiritual. Not even, merely just the blessings here. Uh, there's spirituality in the hymns that we sing, Paul, Paul talks about. And so there's different aspects of this word spiritual that comes into, into play in all of these things. Uh, let's go on. Verse 4. Uh, four. Uh, so in verse 4, we have the third thing. And by the way, I did write down the personal pronouns. In the, in the first one, it was I. In the second one we just read, it was me. And here in the third, it's me and I. So this is, um, I think we're still in verse, Revelation. I'm sorry here. Uh, yeah, so what we just have been doing, uh, reading here in the last few verses is uh, by revelation, uh, manifestation, uh, made visible the mystery. Wrote about a four and a few words. This is, uh, these are the things that, uh, that we just have talked about. I'm sorry. I'm trying to put them in some kind of an order. So number four, which is the personal pronoun, it is uh, my, is has to do with my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. And I got to make sure I'm not mixing up verses here. Uh, he's chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us into the adoption of sons. By Jesus Christ to Himself, 
according to the good pleasure of his will. And I've written something down, I think wrong here. I'm going to have to keep reading. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. I know we went through this briefly the other day, uh, three, four weeks ago, and uh, we're redoing it, but this time we're going to capture uh, each and all of those things. So, uh, hang with me here for a second. I'm looking on my wrong chart here. So number three is in verse four. Chosen in him before the overthrow of the cosmos that we should be holy and without blame. Number four should be in verse... Have I messed everybody up? Got you out of order, I presume. Uh, Verse four, or, or number four that we should be aware of is in verse five. Predestinated, adopted sons... According to his good pleasure, boy, I whittled it down a little bit to make it shorter. Uh, something, just one of many things we need to acknowledge. We have a knowledge of these things, but we may not be acknowledging them. I think that's the gist of what we're trying to accomplish here today. To the uh, verse, so number five is in verse six, uh, which means where it speaks of he's made us accepted. In the beloved. Number six, which is verse seven, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And that's according to what? The riches of his grace. Uh, I'm sorry that we're not taking the ample time to uh, really explain some of these things or whatever, but... Uh, when we think of it in this sense, we need to individually think on these things and see how it applies to our hearts and our and our life, our walk. Uh, verse so number seven is found in verse eight, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. So eight refers back to seven, and he, it talks about the wisdom that we have and has been given to us, and. I suggested there may be a problem, but over here, because he speaks about praying for wisdom. Uh, but let's go on until we get to that point and see what, what comes out of this. Uh, number eight is in verse nine. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will. Now that's pretty heavy in itself. Is this true? Because how many people really understand this verse? Having made known unto the secret of his will, and I believe we're referring to the Father here, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. So we have number nine in verse 10, uh, that in the dispensation of the fullest times, he might gather together in one, in all, all things in Christ. He might gather together in one, all things in Christ, which are in heavens, upon the heavens, and which are on earth, even in him. So, uh, a little bit more, uh, a few words to, to back that up, that number, number eight, once again, was in verse nine. So, he has made known the secret of his will. Paul is reading, or writing things to these people that they already know. And the reason I suggest that is because of the fact that he has prayer for them, 
And there's some things they may not know or they're not doing with it. And then once again, verse uh, number nine is verse 10, where it speaks of um, in the dispensation of fullness of times, he might gather together. So there's going to be a gathering together, whether that is being accomplished right now or whether that will happen and be completed at a future time. It's a tremendous hope that we have. Either way, we don't lose. Don't lose a thing. Uh, number 10 is in verse 11. And that is, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being uh, predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. So here we're, we have... A, the subject of inheritance and something that he had made a decision on way back when he looked into the future and he saw this group of believers that he's pulling out for a particular reason. This is what we see here. Nothing here about being the predestination in the sense that many people think of predestination. According to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. So that's number, uh, well, that was still number 10, was it not? So number 11, we read in verse, uh, wait a minute, so verse 11, whom we also obtain in the heritage. Yeah, okay, so number, that one was number 10. And now down in verse 12, we read that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. I'm doing an injustice to this by rushing through it. Uh, I do want to at least get these numbers in and then we can maybe talk about it more in the future. Uh, so we are to be to the praise of his glory, number 11. And, now, and number 12 shows up in verses 13 and 14. What do we have here? In whom you also, and I'm not quoting the word trusted, it's not in the original, in whom you also, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after ye believed, you were sealed with that holy spirit of promise. Let me read that again. In whom also after that ye believed, you were sealed with that holy spirit of promise. Which is the earnest, here is the guarantee of our inheritance, of all the things we just spoke of. Here is an inheritance, and this is number, I said 13, uh, no, number number 12. This is number 12, which shows up in 13 and 14. So, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, and to the praise of his glory. Wherein I also, after I heard of your faith, so Paul heard of his faith, apparently through others. He could have gotten that in a letter. I don't see anything that says he did. Uh, There's nothing arguable here, whether, I mean, it's not going to affect things, I don't believe. But he says, uh, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. Now listen, let's read these words here. Listen to these words here. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, so he heard of his faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints. 
well, there's something missing here. There's always this threefold truth that we have. And let me read a couple to you real quickly. In First Thessalonians, the first chapter, we've been through this before. And what do we have? For this group of believers, and I believe it's verse 3, is it? Let's see. Yeah, here's what Paul addressed the Thessalonians way back, years before. Remembering without ceasing, what? Your work of faith your and your labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have what? Faith, love, and hope. First uh, Corinthians thirteen thirteen. He does it at Corinth. First Corinthians thirteen thirteen. Real quickly. These are three things that Paul looks for and identifies in every. I believe every book that he writes. Uh, and third, what did I say? Thirteen thirteen. And a now now abideth faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. So this has it. Uh, has to do with spiritual gifts and so forth. One more, Colossians, and that kind of speaks for itself right there. Colossians chapter 1, what do we read? Um, Oh, Colossians 1, verses 4 and 5. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Uh, so those are the three key things that we're looking for. And what's the problem here in Ephesians? I don't want to uh, misrepresent this here. But once again, we, we speak of what? What are we missing? It's the hope, okay? And now let's look a little bit further here. So let me back up. He said, let's read beginning at verse 15. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And here was his prayer for them, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may Give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and in, in the acknowledging of him. We need to talk about that a little bit more. The eyes, so continued in that prayer is, is this. The eyes of your understanding, opened eyes. Remember that's a key word throughout the Gospels, throughout the Acts period and whatever. When it has to come to open, the type of eyes you have. Are they opened? And that's in a necessity. Being enlightened that you may know what, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling. So, uh, these are my words, so be careful here. Apparently, there's something missing about hope. There's, there was, there was the issue of wisdom that's, that shows up here. And here we see that, uh, that his prayer has to do with the fact of their, that the hope of his calling. And the question, I believe, that is answered here, or the issue that is answered here, is back in verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom. Now, I've got two things going here. Let me put a wisdom, 
I'm sorry, yeah, wisdom aside for a moment. In Revelation, in the knowledge, in the acknowledgement of Him. So there's some acknowledging that's required to accomplish something here in this prayer. And furthermore, there's this issue of His calling. And in fact, it's the hope of His calling that He's concerned with. And it is associated with the fact that um, the, uh, the fact that not only they do have some knowledge, that's not a question. The issue is what are they doing with it? And that's the issue to all of us. What are we doing with all of these things the Lord has done to, has given us here? And, and are we uh, acknowledging it <clears throat> so that we can grow? So that these th- these subjects can grow, uh, I believe all those things are captured here in these couple of verses. And then, furthermore, he speaks back in 17 of the spirit of wisdom. And I suggest that there might be a problem here. Of course, it's not. And what did we read over here in verse 8? He says, "Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom." So all wisdom has been made available to us. And over here he speaks of the spirit of wisdom. In our daily life, we should get up every morning, thank the Lord for this package here that he's given us. I call them a package because they're all put together here in one before our eyes. And the fact that we can rejoice in, in a spirit of wisdom because we're acknowledging all of these things he's given us. I don't know if that makes sense or not. I think it's rather hard to read. Let me read a little bit further here. Uh, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And, when, and you need to go a little bit further in the book of Ephesians to look at callings. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So there's some riches and glory that is being introduced here to these people, I believe, for the first time. I mean, perhaps I'm wrong with that. He says, but what and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance is in the saints. So what does that mean? Well, I wish I would have done this. I was, uh, uh, Mr. Welch did an article way back in the ni- early 1900s for um, Bullinger's thing. What was that called? Uh, sorry, it's not in my mind here all of a sudden, but Mr. Welch was uh, asked by Bollinger to write some articles. And he wrote an article on this very subject. To my knowledge, nobody on this planet had written, or it, you know, he didn't get it from somebody else. The Lord gave this to him. And it had to do with the, the, this issue of the inheritance in the saints. And the saints here is basically the same word as holy of holies. So here is something phenomenal in what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the holy of holies. There's a place associated with this. And it abounds in the book of Ephesians in the, the many times that it speaks about this issue. Uh, verse 19, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, we're going to need some power to understand some of these things, I believe. here. It's what he wrote. Um, there's, I think there's five different words here. 
There's energia, energia, ishkas, kratos, uh, energeo again here. Uh, Paul brings it out. It's going to take some superpower here. Which he, let's talk about superpower. Verse 20, which he wrought in Christ when? When he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. This goes in, I think this goes along with what we just read about the saints. Meaning, meaning um, the holy of holies and so forth. So this is a truth that I believe that we should acknowledge and it keep allow it to grow, the knowledge to grow. So it's a good thing to allow knowledge to grow. Um, there's a lot of things that we already have enough knowledge for. Then what we really need is this additional uh, acknowledgement of certain things. And I believe this goes right into the list. He says, and he has uh, far above all principality and power, might and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this world, in this age, but also in that which is to come. And put, the word hath apparently is not in there, and put all things under his feet. So now we're getting a real picture of the Lord. And here was this a few words that appear in Psalm chapter eight. It doesn't mean that this was a mystery uh, that was that was revealed earlier. <clears throat> it's it's it being accomplished here in the book of Ephesians. And finally, he says, "Which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all." All those the things we could the time we could spend on all of these last passages of scripture is just incredible, and uh, I think we stop. And daily, if we look for these things, the Lord will show us something we didn't see the day before or the week before or whatever. And that's that's a shame because we're missing some of what's actually available to us. So I'm going to stop there. Um, and I did that kind of hastily, though. Uh, so I, I hope and pray that it has some benefit that the Lord speaks to you, not through my words, but through his wonderful words. Uh, I think I'm going to probably change the subject next week. There is, there are a half a dozen or so more in the book of Ephesians and Colossians of Philippians. We might look at that. Just that expands this list of things that need to be acknowledged. But I'll stop there. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful hope and calling that we have. The price that was paid. The fact that we get to enjoy the redemption that's associated with the cross. Thank you so much, Father. There's so much here. Remind us about the necessity to acknowledge so many things here. We thank you for each one and for the love of saints that we share from each other and how important every one of, every piece of the puzzle here, every one who is a member of the body uh, how important it is that we care for each other, love one another, pray for each other, um, and give us wisdom in all of those things. And these things we thank you in the name of our Lord Christ Jesus. Amen.